Return of the King, Chapter 13 Light My Fire A few glasses of fizz after Steph introduced Darry to his wife, Darry started to feel overwhelmed. The lights were too bright, the crowd too loud, the room too warm. His jacket felt damp, but he didn't want to remove it for fear of showing off his sweat-soaked shirt. Looking around, he spotted a fire escape door. Uh, Steph, I'm, I'm feeling a bit warm, so I'm just going to nip out for a breather. The couple waved him off with concerned expressions, and he slipped out into the cool night. Checking for dirt, Darry carefully sat down on the concrete step, dangling his legs under the safety rail, and rested his hot forehead against a chill metal. The acidic nausea that had been building for the last 20 minutes gently subsided as the breeze flowed around him, teasing his hair. As his body temperature returned to a more comfortable level, he decided he probably needed to start giving his liver a rest. The crowd was awesome. Everyone he met had been so happy to see him. It was almost too much. They were just too nice. But no, no, that wasn't right. It was more like finally people saw him. They recognised what he had always known. I am somebody. I have something special to give the world, he whispered. The door creaked behind him. Gary, you are out here, so you like the outdoors, do you? Oh, hey, Malk. Yeah, yeah, I like to feel the air on my face. Well... Me and the guys are having a campfire this evening. You want to join the meetup? Heck yeah, he did. Darry struggled to his feet. Malcolm steadied him with a gentle hand on his elbow and guided him down the short concrete staircase to the parking lot. The only vehicle in the lot was a large tricycle with a trailer hooked to the back. Darry had never seen an adult-sized tricycle before. It added to the strange, unreal feeling he'd been experiencing since he arrived at the convention centre. Maybe, maybe this was a dream. Malcolm directed Darry to climb into the trailer. There was a nice cushioned seat and a tartan blanket inside. He tucked himself in and watched as Malcolm pulled on a headlamp and jumped onto the trike and then started to pedal. What an odd dream. Well, there was no sign of Fanny so he might as well sit back and let it play out, enjoy a peaceful night for a change. The trike flew along the wide road, turning a corner and another and then hitting the bridge. They zipped across, passing bus stops and waiting night economy workers. Traffic was light, the cold air was invigorating, Malcolm was a magician, a medicine man, something. Enjoying the sensation of being close to the road and drawn along by human effort, Darry decided to lie back and let the night roll over him. They passed through a dense collection of shops and apartments and veered up a steep incline towards the trees and houses of Knob Hill. Darry was amazed by Malcolm's strength and energy. 
How was he managing this hill? 100% this was a dream. Eventually they reached the top and snaked through dimly lit narrow roads until they came to a stop at the high wooden fenced end of a cul-de-sac. The street lamps fizzed. A gentle orange glow illuminated the butt of the street. Malcolm hopped off his tricycle and pulled a preposterously huge key out of his inside jacket pocket. He unlocked a hidden door and pulled a panel of the fence towards himself. Darry climbed out of his carriage and stumbled up to the handlebars, eager to help. He pushed the tricycle through the gap in the fence and found himself in a forest. The two set off into the trees. Darry marvelled as the moon disappeared, obscured by the dense canopy, the Pacific Coast rainforest. The scent of the trees and leaves and damp air enveloped him, and they walked into the darkness. Malcolm clicked on his headlamp, carefully following the dim pool of light as the men nimbly hopped over small branches and raised roots of trees. Columns of ants surged along their highways at the edges of the compressed earth path, carrying jagged cut leaves to their nests. Derry marvelled at the nature. Swole Bob had been right. The Pacific Northwest was worth the long flight. After a few minutes, they reached a small clearing. The moon and a scattering of the brightest stars slipped into view as they stepped into the space. Waiting for them was a group of men, some in lumberjack gear, some in hipster skinny jeans, slouchy beanies, huge beards. A few middle-aged, clean-shaven men with glasses and the 90s tech worker uniform of khakis and dress shirts. A few topless men, tattoos and defined muscles illuminated by the flickering, dancing lights of the fire, wrestled on the ground. The lumberjacks and hipsters sat on camping chairs, passing thermos flasks back and forth. I hope that's coffee! Malcolm laughed. One of the lumberjacks, an older man, a familiar look to him, handsome, Darry thought, hunter eyes, winked at them and gestured that they should join. As the two settled into canvas folding chairs, they were past mugs of scalding, overbrewed coffee. Not wanting to seem like a fussy woman, Darry accepted it and chugged it, carefully avoiding showing his disgust on his face. He was a little ticked off that Malcolm hadn't introduced him around to the group. He wasn't exactly an unknown. Well, maybe it was because Malcolm didn't want to disrupt the meeting. If they knew he was here, it would probably mess up the dynamic and he wouldn't get the authentic experience. They might even ask him to lead the group. He'd keep a low profile. And anyway, if this was a dream, he'd already decided to go with the flow. As he nursed his mug, the sound of bongo drums floated out and the Bill Gates-looking guys arranged themselves in a circle around the fire. Each had a drum. A humming drone joined the drum beat as the men swayed and tapped. Darry realised it was coming from the drummers. As the drone hit some kind of resonant frequency, the forest, the ground, the fire, all seemed harmonically linked. The hum was suddenly all-encompassing, swelling, 
passing through him, piercing his brain and sharpening his ears. Bone conductance. He was part of the hum now. He looked around and realised all the guys were experiencing the same thing. It was a kind of communal ecstasy as he joined in. They were a single organism carrying the sound, amplifying it, throwing it out to fill the bowl formed by the clearing. The hum span out into the sky and Derry felt at one with the earth for the first time in his life. The repetitive drumming soothed him into a trance-like state as he helped maintain the drone. Finding himself on his feet, he joined hands with Malcolm and a naked man with an enormous tattoo of a howling wolf from his pubic bone to his sternum and constellations of stars across his back. Derry was a link in a circular chain. They continued the hum as they stamped in time with the drumming. An instinctive primal rhythm took over and soon the circle of men surrounding the ring of drummers began to turn. As they danced around the fire, the drumming sped up. Faster and faster they danced. Derry was dizzy as the stars spun above his head and the fire darted and popped. As they hit the point that Derry thought he was about to lift off and fly, the drumming abruptly stopped and the hum ended. The rotating ring collapsed as the dancers dropped to their knees, exhausted. This was how it felt to be part of something bigger than yourself, Darry thought. A man of about 50, in rimless glasses, a pale blue Oxford shirt and black slacks, put down his bongos and began to chant. Darry had no idea what language it was, but it sounded very masculine. It was deep and strong almost a bark. There was a quality of attack, assertiveness. The man raised his hands to the sky as if reaching out to some kind of nature spirit. A shout ran out in the woods. Derry turned to see a sedan chair carried by the topless tattooed men who had earlier wrestled each other in the firelight. I am the shaman, Wendigo! Baby, 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 baby.